Mike, you pull into the parking lot of the funeral home. You see standing right outside their cars, Brian and Maxine, and Samantha has just parked her vehicle. Katie makes a bit of a noise in the back seat, bringing your attention to your colleagues there. You find a parking space in this parking lot. There's quite a few vehicles here. In front of the doors, you see that there are two Marines dressed in their dress blues, holding on to their ceremonial parade rifles. There is a Marine Honor Guard here. All right, well, here we go. Jen squeezes your hand as everyone gets out of the vehicle. You parked right alongside Samantha, Brian, and Max. You see a few people walking into the funeral home, and you see his name on the placard, Gunnery Sergeant Jeremy White. Katie walks quickly over to Samantha and gives her a real tight hug really quickly and then steps back and composes herself. Samantha returns the hug, closing her eyes briefly before composing herself again and giving Katie a little crooked smile. Well, it's never going to get easier, is it? We should head in. I say, looking at the rest of the group. Yeah, glad you could all make it. Um, do you, you know which ones are his family? Shit, that's a good question. I don't know if I know who his family is. Let's look for Elena. I think Elena's going to be the best one for us to focus in on. She knows us. His his family doesn't. His family probably doesn't know even know why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Everyone ready? Or as ready as we can be? Let's do it anyway. After you. Yeah, Max just nods and, and kind of like takes Brian by the crook of the arm to kind of help her. You walk past the honor guard and through the doors. It seems though that only one parlor is in use today. There's a line for the well wishes and condolences book. And you see that there is a large photograph of Gunnery Sergeant Jeremy White in uniform set alongside the entranceway. There's a small line that leads into the parlor itself. Standing in line like this, you feel a tension. It's palpable. There is a bit of nerves for everyone that's here. There is a sadness. There is a smell of flowers on the air, but it's very subtle. The queue does curve around and into the parlor itself, and you see against the back wall, there is a casket that is half opened with a flag inside, and your good friend Jeremy lying in the casket. Elena is standing not too far from the casket, and you see that there is an older woman sitting there and an older man sitting to her right. And you th believe it's the rest of Jeremy's family, Brewster's family. There's a woman that seems to have a bit of a familiar resemblance, which you think might be his sister. She's got an asymmetric bob and she's got two little kids 
nearby and there being little kids with their legs swinging from the chairs they're just a little bit too tall and they're being polite and they're being well behaved but they're still little kids you think her husband is uh, standing up and talking to a couple other folks that are dressed in a similar fashion elena makes eye contact with all of you she shakes the hand of a well-wisher and excuses herself and grabs her purse and walks her way toward the members of our cell. Standing in front of Samantha, you can see that her eyes are red. It looks as though that she has been cried out, not a drop left to drip. And she has a very stern face. You know, I should hate you. And she looks at all of you. But I don't. He talked about you all in ways that sometimes I felt jealous and I wish he talked about me that way. You all had a bond with him that I don't think I could ever have. I know what he was doing. I don't know everything that he was doing, but I knew he was doing what he thought was right. And he was confident that you were doing what was right and what was good. Am I right in thinking this? Yes. It's never the easy thing, but it is what is necessary. We are at least doing the best that we can. And yes, it is. Somebody's got to do it. I don't know where to go from here. I had him once and then I lost him. And then I got him back and I lost him again. I can't get him back from this though. All I ask is that you keep doing what is right. So this is not in vain. She reaches into her purse and pulls out a small bound book that has a green triangle sticker on it. And it's wrapped in hair ties. I cracked this open and I saw that it was his words. I think it has to do with what you guys do and you'll know what to do with it. I will make sure that his words are safe. If there's anything in there about me, let me know. Of course. Elena, you were the best part of his life. He spoke of you frequently and with tremendous love. Yeah, well, I'm glad that I didn't just imagine that. You didn't. I'm gonna head back over here. Um, seems like he was quite popular, huh? Gregarious fellow, that Jeremy. Yeah, he's a rooster. Yeah, never gotten used to Jeremy. Um, excuse me. And she walks back, and you hear her sniffle a little bit as she heads back and uh, talks to uh, the older woman that's there. Alongside the casket, as you've now noticed, there are two more Marines here, and there's another standing off a little bit. And in the third one's hand, you see that there's a bugle. The queue is pretty long and nobody seems rushed. Uh, no one is spending too little time or pushing you along. And it gives you a moment with your thoughts or with the thoughts of your family. Mike, Katie squeezes your hand and hugs in tight to you. 
It doesn't feel right, Dad. No, it never does. I can't fix this. I fixed his arm, though. You just have to keep going on and fix what you can fix. Samantha, you have the notebook in your hand. Yeah. And seeing that the line isn't moving very fast, I am endlessly curious. So I'll slide the hair ties off, wrap them absently around my wrist the way I used to when I had long hair, and open it. The first entry in the journal is marked November 21st, 2023. Well, what do you know? They still ain't found a way to kill me yet. Not, not ISIS, ISIS, not, not the, the fucking, fucking spiders, spiders, not the not eyes, the eyes and, tentacles. and tentacles. Fuck, not even me. Somehow I'm still kicking, whether I deserve to be or not. But glasses gave me a kick in the ass, so here I am, writing. But the new shrink said to start writing a journal, and I'm taking this serious, so here goes. I don't know if this will actually fucking help, but it isn't fair to glasses if I don't at least try. Who knows? Maybe I can actually turn myself into something worth keeping around. And if not, then my Beretta's still in the closet. That would be the easy way out, though. Easy for me, at least. What a fucking waste for everyone else. Look how much glasses did for me. I owe so goddamn much. Killing myself would make sure I can never pay my tab. I seriously can't believe she came all the way out to save me. I don't remember calling her. I don't know how I even could where I was that night. She's the only person I would have asked. Glasses is a leader. She's my LT. And I don't call anyone that unless they earned it. Not even lieutenants. But she's also my friend. Best one I ever had. I don't deserve her, but I'm not going to throw away everything she put into me. She'll never know how much I owe her. But maybe if I keep going, then I can start to pay back that debt. When you look around the room, you see what you believe is his sister and the little kids. The little kids kind of jump up and run over to the casket and kind of peer up and look down at it and say some words that you don't hear. They've cut some folks in line, but people are willing to give the kids some, some leeway. The woman comes by and takes the kids by the hand and walks them back to their seats and they sit down. You're not sure they fully grasp what's going on, but you think they might. The woman seems a little bit more peeved at how the kids are acting and she barks out, Mike, get over here. And my head turns. The guy that was talking with the others comes by and takes the girl's hands and walks them out of the parlor as that other woman is just sitting there shaking her head and taking deep sighs and gives a hug to the older man next to her. Can tonight just be over already? Fuck me. I can't believe I have to go to Jenna's and suck up to that motherfucker she married. But you can't say no in front of her and my parents and the twins, can he? Not on Christmas. And it's not like I'm asking to live in the gazebo outside. I just want a job. I, I need to do something. And a cripple with no desk job skills doesn't have a whole lot of options. But it's just one night. I can get through this. 
I've gone through worse. <laughs> I can swallow my pride, sit at Jenna's table, and take all the nasty little comments she wants to dish out with the gravy. I mean, I deserve it anyway. I'm the big brother who fucked up his life, right? No. No, I'm not. The doc said don't even think like that. But it's what Jenna thinks. She'll never know what it cost me to protect her. And she never can know. But that's my job. I put myself in the way to protect people. And now she's safe. She's happy. My folks are taken care of. I can suck it up. For one night. The line progresses just a little bit. It seems as though that it's a trial of patience. It seems as though that each step takes a few minutes. You see a smiling face of a man dressed in a slightly oversized dress shirt with long hair and a beard. You recognize him from the burn. It was a man named Gravy. And he walks with a cane up to the members of RSL. Oh, hi guys. Uh, hi. Um, it's Gravy, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Sherlock. Sure should, should I call you that here? I'm, I'm actually Mike. Sure, I can call you Mike. You can call me Gravy. If that's what you want to be called. No problem. Glad, glad you guys got to uh, come out. I wish I got to know him, know him better. I mean, I'm thinking, who the fuck is Jeremy? I know, right? <clears throat> he, uh, you, you were doing art stuff with him, right? Yeah, yeah, we got in. We got into the art thing. Um, Ruby uh, got him into some art therapy, and uh, he came in and uh, came in and then you know started started working with us. He had a good knack for it, you know. Really got into the metal stuff. From what I heard, he was working on a on a piece when he had a heart attack. Um, uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I think he mentioned you you do the metal work also. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I worked. At, I I do uh, do a little bit of metalworking, metal bending, some firework, some fire bending. I don't do any air bending or earth bending. Oh right. Uh. Katie chuckles at that, and he smiles and gives her a wink. Um, I, I think I'd like to talk to you uh, when when we've after we've gone through the uh, formal stuff here. You mind? No, no, absolutely. Um. Ruby and I are sitting back there, uh, you know, come on, come on back. It's weird, you know, you become friends with somebody and then you come to something like this and you find people that have known them from, from birth, but, you know, even though it was only a short time, really, like a Nova, passionate, right? Get to know somebody really quick, really well, at least you think. Yeah, yeah, come on back, well, that's where, that's where we're going to be sitting. Okay, I'll see you, I'll see you later. All right. The line moves a little bit more, and finally, Samantha, you're next in line. I'll tuck the journal away in my inside breast pocket of my suit jacket and stick my hands in my pockets waiting for the person in front of me. Even with all the time to think, I don't know what to say. When it's your time to step up, you see the makeup artist has done an amazing job. It doesn't necessarily look like Rooster, but it does. 
There was a sparkle and a light in his eyes that identified him. He might have failed high school biology or chemistry, but there was something electric about him. And that's now gone. Take a moment and just look down at him. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you looking quite so peaceful, my guy. And reach down and put a hand over his heart. It's cold, and I didn't expect any different. I felt him starting to go cold. Then, back in the midst of it all, still comes as a bit of a shock. And looking down at him, pull my glasses down my nose a little bit to just look at him. Tears welling up where no one else can really see it. If there is something after all of this, I hope I see you there. And if not, know that you're going to be remembered for as long as I'm around. Catch you on the flip side, Raster. And then quietly step away, pushing my glasses back up to hide watery eyes. Elena takes your hand and thanks you for coming. She introduces you to William and Karen White and makes mention that Jenna is down there and his nieces, Skylar and Peyton, have gone outside. I'll go through the, the pleasantries, extend my condolences very back in the mask. I think Elena would recognize it as a mask. She knows me well enough, but... For his parents, I feel it's necessary. They thank you for coming. It's almost automatic for them. Mike, you and Jen and Katie step up to the casket. Katie reaches into her jacket pocket, and you see that she puts a Nerf dart under his prosthetic hand. And you can see that she's trying to hold on, and she's not doing a good job of it. I will look down and say, still hard to believe that you're really gone. Every time I walk into Katie's workshop, I expect to find you sitting there working on something. First time I saw your truck, I thought I was going to hate you. One of the best friends I have ever had. You're going to be missed. And I reach down and I slip a green crayon into his pocket. And then I put my arms around Katie and hug her tight. Jen steps back, realizing this is a moment for the two of you. Elena joins you in a hug and introduces you to the rest of the family. Hi, I'm, I'm Mike. Hi, Mike. I'm, I'm so sorry for your loss. Elena leans over. This is Sherlock. Oh. Oh, uh, he told you about me, did he? He mentioned it, and I take it this is Katie. Oh, yeah. He was very proud of you, Katie. Well, she deserves it. And Katie breaks down. Well... Got back from helping Sherlock fix the wiring at his new place. Can't believe I go and build a shed and a koi pond and then he up and moves. Fucker. Nah, I'm happy for him. 
Now he can get a nice house, get college for Katie, live the white picket fence life he deserves. The full wife, kid, and household pet treatment. <laughs> I remember when I first met him, I thought it was bullshit. I remember thinking he was a coward for turning his back at Shaver Lake. God damn, he's anything but. He can't shoot, and he's afraid of stairs. I mean, he should be afraid of stairs, but that man has a pair of big old brass ones. The shit he's gone through without any real training or experience? Fuck. And he's a good friend. Never saw that one coming. But I wouldn't give him half the shit I'd do if I didn't like him. And wait until he sees what Kitty and I have planned with her new CNC machine when it comes in. That girl is a fucking genius. She'd go nuts if she ever saw what was in the green box. But I'd never let her see. She deserves a life without this shit. Brian and Max. Brian will walk up to the casket. Um, well, Brewster, Jeremy, that's still weird. Um, I know we only knew, knew you a few months, um, but I could tell your impact on this team was huge and you're going to have a big hole where you left. You're very protective of everyone, including the two of us who you just met. Um, I'll always appreciate that. And we'll do our best to keep out, keep an eye out for everyone. Hey there, grumpy pants. Um, boy, I'm not really sure if you'd, uh, like this or hate all the pageantry. Um, there's a ton of people here for you. Like a lot, a lot. I don't say that lightly either. I've been to a state funeral as a date. God, that sounds so tacky. Okay, um, go ahead, laugh at me. Anyway, yeah, a lot of uniforms, a lot of ladies. So there's something for you here. Jesus, I bet nobody else decided to scope the crowd for you. Hey, look, I learned something from you after all. Um, well, without you there to watch my back and Brian's, we'll try to do better. I hope you're doing better. She kind of taps the casket edge and, and pushes Brian on. Yeah. Uh, we head over to uh, meet Elena, I guess, and Jeremy's family. Make our condolences. And Elena reaches out her hand and shakes both of your hands and thanks you for coming. And she looks at you and then looks at Mike and Samantha in a quizzical eyebrow like where are you from but she doesn't ask where are you from I'll just kind of nod and gesture towards the other two she nods and she introduces you to the rest of the family we got aliens again we fucking got fucking aliens again ha eat that history channel motherfucker it's cooler when you do it with one hand anyway. I can't believe we actually made our UFO take off out of there. I know the fuckers took a whole lot of people with them, but at least we got some out of the blue goo, so that's something. It's not a complete victory, but none of the team got killed, so that's something. 
especially with the Disaster Twins, TM, along for the ride now. I know, I was hard on them. Probably more than they deserved, but it's a steep slope into the shit that we deal with. I had to make sure they were up for it. And they actually were. I'm still worried about the lawyer DT, but he should be okay if he stops drinking everything he's handed and we never leave him alone. He'll make it. But the other one's fucking scary. She's gonna be the next glasses here. Fucking boss bitch. Yeah. Kids are alright. Our cell's alright. We're gonna make it. We ain't gonna die. There's a few more folks after you, and you find some seats, and the seats are comfortably uncomfortable. They make a bit of a noise whenever you twist or move, like a weird chair creak. And you see one of the Marines steps forward, and at the lectern, you see the funeral director. He steps up and says a few words, thanks everyone for coming. And with appropriate honors, we will be playing the taps and have the presentation of the flag. So if you all would please rise. The crowd stands. The bugler steps forward and begins to play taps. The Marine that is there with the most amount of chevrons on his arm carries the flag that was in the casket and presents it to Rooster's mother, Karen White. On behalf of the President of the United States and the United States Marine Corps and a grateful nation, please accept this flag as a symbol of our appreciation for your loved one's honorable and faithful service. Semper Fidelis. And he hands the flag to her. Mrs. White turns and gives the flag to Elena, who clutches it tightly. It's 0340, I'm awake, and it isn't from booze or caffeine or night terrors. I actually woke up in the middle of the night without screaming, and then I reached out and Elena was there. She's still here. I, I can't believe it. I was afraid of waking up, thought the dream would go away and she'd be gone again. But she's she's still laying there asleep while I'm sitting and writing in a journal. Hilarious. Look at me. If you told me this five years ago, I would have spit my beer all over you when I laughed in your face. But she's here. She took me back. After everything I did, 
After all the fucked up hero complex that hurt her worse. Fuck. Elaine is the best thing that ever happened to me, and I fucked it all up. And then she forgave me. I don't deserve it, but she thinks I do. And I trust her a hell of a lot more than I trust me, so... I don't know, maybe that's something. All I know is that I love this woman. I never thought I'd get to feel that way about someone and especially not get it back. But no matter what, I'm never going to let anything hurt her again. Especially not me. If she sees something in me worth forgiving, then it's my job to live up to that. The Honor Guards present and people then seem to start to mill about. The funeral director, in a studio whisper, recommends everyone to please sign the book if they have not already done so. He provides the location of Gunnery Sergeant Jeremy White's final resting place at the Sacramento Valley National Cemetery. The actual interment will be a private affair with family members only, Thank you so much on behalf of the family for coming out and for loving and honoring Gunnery Sergeant Jeremy White. Mike, as everyone is milling about, gravy comes up toward you. So you have an idea? Yeah, that was something I had in mind. Uh, let me let me explain. Dropkick Murphys came on my playlist today. Green fields of France. Got me thinking. I know, not usually a good thing, but it does happen. The song's about sitting in a graveyard from World War I, looking at a gravestone and wondering what the kid's story was. Did Willie McBride die quick and painless? Was it slow and horrible? Did anyone at home ever really know the truth? So much of my life has been focused on death. Seeing it. Avoiding it. Causing it. I know there's a bullet with my name screaming at me from somewhere. Hell, I wonder if I should snuff the rooster. Obviously I didn't, but we all know that I'm only coming home from an R-Cell gig with my shielder on it. What's weird is I never really thought about what comes after. Why should I? Doesn't affect me any, does it? I never imagine people crying when they lower me in. Never wondered if they'll play taps. I didn't think anyone would even care. But the last couple years got me thinking about it. I've been to a lot of funerals. For friends, strangers, brothers, but one thing's always the same. It's not for the dead. Funerals are for the living. It's for people to be together, to figure out how you're gonna move on and deal with the shit. So I don't give a damn what you do with me when I'm gone. Bury me in the ground. Stick me in a fucking urn in the attic. I don't know, feed me to some pigs. Just. Don't do anything that makes it too hard on whoever's left. I'm a pain in the ass now. It's not fair I keep getting to be a pain in the ass when I'm gone. Later on at the Rainbow House, Arcel is gathered out back around the fire pit, telling rooster stories. Sam, you look over and you see a small sedan pull up and you see a tall ginger redhead step out of the passenger side. Looks like they're being aided with a cane. 
get up quickly. Paul? Hey. And head for the gate leading out and go pop that open real fast. Oh my god, you made it! A little later than I thought I was going to be, but once I heard, I tried to get over as fast as I could. Uh, You remember remember Andrew? Of course. Hi, Andrew. Andrew waves and comes by and takes Paul's hand. At first glance, you notice that Paul is very sallow, has some very dark bags under his eyes, and looks like he's lost quite a bit of weight. It's been about a year and a half since anyone in our cell has seen Paul. So what was once a physically fit Air Force captain, now a underweight, out of shape. Looks like he hasn't gotten much sleep and has a red cane that's helping support him. Oh, wow. Um, Wait, Paul, right? Yeah. Uh How are you, Mike? Well, it's uh, it's been forever. You look um I know. Come in. Come come sit down. Thank you. If Jonathan and Casey are here, I'd love, uh I'd love to see him, but more here for you guys, obviously. Yeah, I'll they're out at the moment, but as soon as they get back, I'll yell for them. Oh, well, we'll have to uh Introduce you to the uh, Disaster Twins. The new kids. Took two people to take my place, huh? <laughs> and still not, not fully filling your, your spot, my guy. Well, I'm sorry I couldn't bring Chase. He's with the dog sitter. You're just going to have to give him extra scritches for us when, uh, when you get home. But come, come, sit down. I don't want to leave you standing. Come on, there's, there's still some food. Uh, do you want anything to drink? Uh, yeah, that sounds great. Um, whatever you're making is fine. I got alcohol, got non-alcohol, got coffee. And tea, I think, somewhere in the back of a drawer. And of course we had to have these, and Mike holds up an an energy drink. Uh, how about a dark and stormy? Perfect. And I'll make make those up. Well, so, uh, what do we say? I don't know. Um, New York is good. Um, not working much these days. Uh, still having sleep issues, but I'm good. How are the new people? They're they're learning. I think they're learning faster than than we let on. It's the last couple of missions have been. Unorthodox, to say the least. I feel bad for them being thrown into the middle of what we've been working on, but, you know, can't get too far into it. You know how it is. Uh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll be the one to say it. Rooster, he, he saved our butts. Um, yeah? If he, if he had to go, it's probably the way he would have wanted to go. All along, but damn it, I—I I really thought he had gotten to a place where living well was more important than dying well. From what I've gathered, it sounds like he was at that point. Yeah, from what he put in the notebook, 
that was more important to him. But timing's a bitch. He made a choice, and it was the choice that saved all of us and a lot of people who might have otherwise been affected. He wrote about you, if you want to read it. It's good stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Pull out the journal from the breast pocket and pass it to him, flip into the entry about him. He never struck me as the kind of person to keep a diary. His therapist made him. I don't think he would have otherwise. That sounds more likely. <laughs> Saw a ginger in a chair for shirt at the VA today. Made me think of Cappy. I miss him. He was a, he was good, a good guy. guy. He's a, a good guy, guy I guess. I know he's still out there, there living his best, best life, life with the best dog ever. Oh shit. Do I miss Chase more than I miss Cappy? Nah, don't think about that. You won't like the answer. I know I gave him shit all the time, but that's a gunny's job. Gotta whip the bad officers into shape and keep the good ones on their toes. But our other job is to get shit done for him. And I failed that one. I know I lost the arm, but it should have been me with the fucking brain shit. That's what I'm here for. I'm the hitter, and I'm the shield. It should have been me. But at least he escaped all of this shit alive. Walk tall, machine gun man. That's more than I'll probably get. Well, introduce me to the to the new people. Yeah, come on. I'll we'll do the introductions round. A week later, Mike, there is a ring at your doorbell. Looking at the app from the doorbell camera, you see Gravy has is standing out front with a pretty large container. I will go to the answer to the door. Hey, this is a nice place you got. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a pretty good one. Um, can you give me a little bit of help with this? Sure. Um, it's all done? Yeah, it's all done. Um, where's, where, where's, where's your, where's your little one? Oh, let's keep it a secret from her for a little bit longer. All right. Sounds good. I really like some of the ideas that she, that, you know, I got from the, for the arm stuff. So want to make sure that, that she gets credit for it too. So, uh, not to toot my own horn, but here's the little, here's a little plaque. Put her name on there too, as, as the artist as well. So oh, I'll share I'll share that with her. Well, thank you. Oh, no, 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 man. Thank you. This was, this was a great idea. Um, where do we want to put it? Oh, um, I think right over on that wall there. All right. Okay, I think we can we can get this set up. All right, I'll go ahead and get this uncovered. Oh, oh there, oh, there we go. All right. Oh well, I've got the, we got a shroud over it, so I'll let you peel back the shroud. You want to call call everybody else in or? Uh, yeah. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Dad. Something I want to show you. Where's your mom? I'll grab her. They both come down the stairs, and Katie bounced down the stairs in her Stanford sweatshirt. Oh, have you made a decision? Nope, but I'll take all the free sweatshirts I can get. That's... that's a... that's a thing. Mm-hmm. It's better than the one that's got the big, you know, big yellow bear on it. I don't want that one, but that's okay. 
Uh, don't tell, don't tell Rowan. Okay. Oh, hi, Gravy. Hey, kiddo. So, uh, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, there's something, uh, I wanted to have a memory. And, uh, something fitting. Let's see what it looks like. He pulls back the fabric. And on the wall, there is a prosthetic arm bent at the elbow and with the uh, hand cupped, holding a cracked crystal ball. One of the balls from the apparatus we were trying to use. And his hand is just kind of cradling the ball protectively. And etched on the surface of the ball is a map of the world, making it a globe. Katie looks up at you. Yeah, I think Rooster would really like that. Oh, Rooster would hate it, but it's 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 what he it's the right thing to symbolize what he was, what he did. Standing in front of a self-storage unit with some notes, Brian and Maxine are looking at a door that has two locks on it as well as a key code. Are we sure this is the right place? This is the uh, coordinates I was given. All right. We get to work opening the door. After a few tries, it opens up and you see that there is a large storage unit here. Boxes are marked and tagged. There's a cot set up in a very tight area with a small foldable table alongside the cot. It's air-conditioned in here. Brian will look around and just kind of look at the names on some of the boxes, not looking too in-depth at anything in particular. One of them says Ghost Wards. Another one says Collection of Maps and Atlases. You see there is a red cane. You know the style with the, the, like the four feet? that a tennis ball is on the bottom, and it looks like there's uh, flames painted on it with a Ferrari sticker. There's also a box that says Thor's ukulele. I feel like these uh, trinkets are a lot more fun than ours. Yeah. Why do I get the sense that that's not what they seem, though? Probably not. I'm going to look around for an inventory list, or was that given to us already? You find an inventory list on the small foldable table near the bed. You also see that there is a box that says handbook. I don't like the quotation marks around hand, but looks like everything's pretty well cataloged here. Creepy. Let's just um, get this over with, huh? Yeah. Um, this is a long way to drive from Sacramento. I feel like we should find somewhere closer if we're needing to keep track of this stuff for the crew. That's true. Um, I guess we'll have to ask to see if we need to move some stuff or if there's another safer location a little bit closer. Yeah. You can ask Rowan later if there's anything particularly dangerous to move. Figure that out later. You really did keep a tight ship. Yeah. Brian is just kind of flipping through the inventory list and just kind of looking around, 
checking if everything's there. Just kind of wanders around a little bit. Max rummages her way through piles and and the racks and and whatever else is in here until she finds something that that kind of catches her eye, kind of picks it up. Seems pretty normal, jiggles it a little bit. Hey, what do you think's in here? In every direction you look, the headstones form a straight line over some rolling hills with beautiful, well-kept landscape. Samantha, you find Gunnery Sergeant Jeremy White's final resting place. There's not much written on these headstones. The name, the date of birth, the date of passing, an icon for their beliefs, as well as their branch of service. I'll stop at the headstone and just look at it for a little bit. Hands it shoved deep in my pockets as I stare down at it, musing, not for the first time, how little is really left behind physically once we pass on. And then I'll reach into my jacket pocket and pull out a coin and walk over and put it on top of the headstone. It's a quarter. And look down at it, tapping my fingernail against it. You know I've never been much for all of this, uh, all the military shenanigans and rigmarole that y'all do, but I looked it up to see what you're supposed to do when you come visit. And I guess there's only really four of us who can put a quarter on your grave, huh? And glancing around to make sure that there isn't really anyone else around, I'll perch on the corner of the headstone and pull a can and a bottle out of the little bag that I'm carrying, pop open the top of the energy drink and put it on top of the headstone and pop open the bottled Starbucks drink that was the kind that he always got me when he refilled my refrigerator and sit there sipping it, staring out across the lines and lines. You know, I've been... I've been thinking over the last weeks what I want to say. The problem, my guy, is that everything with you is always a conversation. If not a bit of a confrontation. You said in your journal that I was the best friend that you had and how much you owe me. I don't think you ever realized that the feeling was completely mutual. You're not someone I ever thought I'd like. I thought I'd have to put up with your ass when I can't when I hauled you out of that dingy ass apartment to go out to Shaver Lake. But you became more than a co-worker, more than a work partner even more than a friend. At the end of it, you were my best friend. You were my my brother in arms. And I miss you so fucking much. You asshole. <sighs> Leaving me alone with the kids and River. You did the right thing. And like I told you, you kept that light on for one more night, and I'm going to do everything in my power 
to make sure that that sacrifice is not in vain. Hang what the alphabet soup wants to say. You made a difference. I miss you, Rooster. So, here's to you and here's to us. And I'll reach over and pick up the energy drink and pour it out over the grave. Once it's empty, I'll tuck the empty cannon bottle back into the little bag and stand up. Well, at least they buried you somewhat close to me. I can come visit now and again. Thank you for everything, my friend. And with that, she turns and walks away, leaving the quarter on top of the headstone. Game time! Glasses is going off grid and I have an objective. It's time to figure out this reverb drug and all the other shit we didn't deal with at the burn. It's about damn time. I don't like leaving things undone, especially when those things kill people. So now I'm sitting in a truck watching a house. Stake out. I can do that. Just me and my thoughts. A year ago, that would have made me shit my pants. But look how much better things are now. I have a lane back. I've got an arm again. And a better one coming. I'm making things. It's, it's almost like my life is getting back on track. I know how much shit other people went through to get me here. So you know what? Now it's my turn. It's my turn to make things better. For them and for everyone. And I'm fucking going to. All right, Arcel. We come to the mechanical part of the interludes. Sadly, the bond with Rooster, for those that had a bond with Rooster, now gets erased. But for everyone else, you should write down the name of your other Delta Green members, if you don't already have them, and you immediately get a bond with those people with half your charisma score. And that's your bond with your Delta Green teammates. After their name, put in quotations DG or Delta Green so you can remember that it's there. Now round it up and round it down. We're going to round up. Sweet. Okay. So that's four. And what about for those of us who already have bonds with other people in the... We are going to strengthen those bonds. Including this, well, my bond with Max is already full. Right, but with the, but with, so your bond with Max isn't a Delta Green bond. Right. Mm -hmm. But your bond with River and with Rowan is a Delta Green bond. Okay, cool. My bond with Rowan will increase? Yes, your bond with Rowan, let me see here. So for those of you that have already have shared bonds with your teammates or with the other character, go ahead and roll 1d6, and this maxes out at your charisma level. Uh, so I rolled a 2, which brings me up to a 13 with River. Okay. 
I rolled a four, which brings me up to seven with Rowan, which is my charisma. I'm Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan. I'm Seth Jones, and I play River. I'm Joseph Newman, and I play Ross. I'm Christy Bauer, and I play Reagan. I'm Ben Soslowski, and I played Rooster. I'm Dan Voshkevich, the Handler. Our story is based on the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dream Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detweiler, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. Season 6 is based on two stories. The first is Reverberations by Shane Ivey, and the other is an original story by me, Dan Voshkevich. If you like our story, there are a few ways you can support us. First, you can check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash theredactedreports. Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to episodes, Rowan's written reports for each story, as well as other goodies and opportunities exclusive to our patrons. We offer special thanks to our $20 and up patrons, Stephen Schwartz, Tom Padula, M.S. Asnikar, Heather Ney, Jen Obertaz, Jake Blair, Bomb Clancy, Kit Thompson, Danny, Lady Bedivere, Shrek Manning, Red Dead Coquette, Blardimus, Ginger Fury, Dr. Christian Lehman, Kate D.B., Mickey Maki, Robbie Nowell, Naya Fenris, J. Matthews 85, O. Mateo, Flynn Gallagher, Phoenix Team Handler Dennis, Knitting Daddy Greg, Multicam Yeti, Scott Miller, and Rogue. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. Please support us by telling people about us. Leave a review wherever you get your podcast and follow us on all the usual social media sites. Also, check out our website, www.theredactedreportspodcast.com. All of our handouts are archived there. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach out to Agent Harker through the contact form there. The Redact Reports is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear with us, give Quest and Chaos YouTube and Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu on a weekly basis. Additional undercurrent music, Rowan Rising, was composed and orchestrated by Alan Strickland. You could find him at alanstrickland.net. That's Alan, A-L-L-E-N, for his classical compositions. Join us next week. Our own reality bends and shifts, molding the facades we carry daily into grotesque visions we can barely imagine. Echoes of the monarch will take us beyond this industrial hellscape to a verdant valley filled with creeping horrors. The grand ball making ghouls of us all. <laughs>